ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode three of George Ezra and Friends, the podcast. My name is George Ezra. I am a musician. I am a songwriter. I am a singer. I play a little bit of guitar, and、uh, I released my first music back in 2014, and have been busy ever since. I've been busy touring the world, meeting people, keeping busy, keeping out of trouble. Um, yeah, and this week my guest is the lovely Hannah Reed、uh, of London Grammar. She is one third of the band with her bandmates Dan and Dot, and we talk about all sorts. We talk about touring and recording and past projects, future projects, all that good stuff. There's even a bit of dog chat. For any of you dog fans out there,、um, and I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Hannah. She was amazing.、Uh, she came out to my flat. She was one of the first people to get on board and say they'd be up for the show, and it was an absolute pleasure. So thank you. I should also just say, if you are with kids, there might be a bit of fruity language, a couple swears. There might be.、Um, so just watch out for that. I am definitely waffling, so let's jump into the show, ladies and gentlemen. Sit back, relax. This is Hannah Reed. I've got a whole load of questions I want to ask you about everything、oh, yeah, you're doing.、Yeah. I know、of、that course, you've just、yeah. finished a tour. A tour, yes. We've got one left. How, where off?、Uh, Europe, three weeks in Europe.、Um, so I've got two weeks off now, which is nice, heavenly.、Um, Thank you for doing this, by the way. No, 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 it's my my pleasure.、Um, and then yeah, a three week tour in Europe, and then we're done. Of the record. Yeah, we made this this tour slightly shorter、mm. than the one that we did on the first album. It was kind of something we discussed and decided to do. How long were you out on the first one for? Was it one of those kind of eighteen month?、Uh, it was two and a half years. Just relentless. By the time, by the time, I mean, we had like a, we had a gap in between、um, just before the very last tour, because we had had to reschedule a whole bunch of stuff. But so it was, it was two years, but two and a half years, including then the sort of added American tour that we had had to move. Two and a half years is proper. It was. I mean, it was amazing. Like, of course, it's the best thing that could ever have happened to us.、Um, but yeah, we were really young at the time, and we got pretty tired at the end. And、uh, we did have to cancel stuff because I had like muscular sort of damage in my voice and stuff like that. And me and Dan, in particular, have quite bad stage fright. I'm the worst. Dan, bless him. He's he's he's. I mean, he's much better than me, but he has it a bit too.、Um, And so it got to a point where suddenly, I just kind of, basically, I didn't get on a plane that I was meant to get on. And、um, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's quite, it's quite the story. So wait, you were supposed to get on a plane? Yeah. It didn't just, show. I just didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. But I had,、um, I mean, basically, f- for me, I mean, poor Dan and Dot, what they've had to put up with over the years, I just can't even imagine. I've always been quite a nervous sort of. Introverted person, as artists just tend to be, I think, really,、um, or often are anyway. The the stage fright got to me lows at the beginning because I'd never, I I'd never really gotten up in front of lots of people,、um, mm. ever really in my life. And then I kind of started to get used to it. I got better and better, but the crowds 
got bigger and bigger and then suddenly I just kind of hit this wall and I suddenly got worse and worse and worse and the worse the anxiety got the more exhausted I became and then I started to lose my voice. I had read about your anxiety on tour Mm, and I found it really interesting in my life I'd never really felt anxiety until Mm. we finished touring I think that it feels to me people are more willing to talk about it I really appreciated reading what you had Mm. spoken about it but I didn't what was different to me was the fact that you had been feeling it whilst on tour do you think it was part induced just by the lack of escape from it or you'll just go 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 it is really interesting I would say the one thing about the music industry is like I am so I watched the Whitney Houston documentary and the Amy Winehouse documentary years ago I was amazed if you watch those two documentaries back to back they are exactly the same story it's like a blueprint it's it's nuts and in those documentaries you can see there are like a few sort of threads that can lead to a perfect storm and it's, it is kind of difficult to talk about because it is easy to sound like you're ungrateful for the opportunity and the gift that you've been given because you're not like a junior doctor, you know, like saving lives in the NHS. Like, we're so lucky to do what we do. But there must be a reason why artists so frequently end up being substance abusers or, you know, worse and then end up dead. And we've lost so many amazing artists to it. I think I experienced a couple of those threads that kind of led to a perfect storm in a way, but I, I always decided to be teetotal basically on tour because there's just no, I can't really drink a couple of glasses of wine even and then sing well the next day, which kind of served to my benefit in the long run, I think. But um, I think for me, the first thread was this really weird adrenaline thing where mm. it doesn't matter whether I was in a positive mindset or a negative one, it was purely physiological is that the surge every single night that my body would just release to go and do it was just so, so big that then either you can go out and drink or you go back to your hotel room and you're... I was awake until like five or six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Sometimes, just because I was just completely, completely wired. And then you have to wake up the next day and fly somewhere else and, and then you have to do it all over again. And apparently um, your body can then become addicted to adrenaline. I believe that. And you should know, I would not have guessed you were someone that suffered from stage anxiety or fights at all. And that is what everyone says. The one thing that stands out straight away is how honest you are on the album. Thank you. People won't understand how hard that can be, being Mm. that honest. Because it's so easy, who's going to ask you otherwise? You know, you can just cover things up and use characters and it feels like you're being very direct with what you're trying to say. I think that's why sometimes I find it maybe harder than the boys to kind of give away songs that I write very easily to producers and and because I think that that's the only way that I can create. It's pure self-expression. Not that playing an instrument isn't self-expression, but for me the piano was just like, I, I don't read music. It was just like a way of finding some kind of self-expression for my voice and mm. the Like feelings. an accompaniment at all. Yeah. So do you sit down and go, right, the only way this second record's going to work is if I'm brutally honest with myself, or do you get the masters back, put the record on and go, Jesus Christ, I didn't know I was that honest? I actually think it's the second one. Yeah. For me, I find it really... It's like... 
I kind of get this certain like meditative kind of feeling and I just let something out. It's really, and then it's sometimes it's only, yeah, when I listen back that I'm like, I didn't realise, you know, the pain that I was feeling then, but I must have been. And then sometimes songs mean so much more to me after the fact. Uh, I was at a, not at a gig, I was playing a gig the other night with Dan and Dot, and there was this girl who was just sobbing throughout rooting for you and as soon as I saw her crying I was like oh no I was like I am just gonna cry because it's just such a strong emotional connection with people through music and I was like oh I'm gonna have to hold it together because there's like this high note in there that there's no way I could hit if I was crying for sure and um and it it does it makes me realize oh what that song really means and I think that can be sometimes what stage fright might be about actually is that when you have released so much of your feeling into music you then kind of have to cut yourself off from it to be able to go and you can't well, this is the thing, feel it every night. With how you know. honest you've been on it, is that has that been hard on touring this record, coming back to the same emotional place? Sometimes, yeah. You know, I know sometimes you'll play the song and you won't be in the exact place that you were when writing it. Mm. But, yeah, I just assume it, it could make the whole process that bit tougher, touring-wise, because each night you're opening... Yeah, your little, your little heart, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think every artist does that, yeah. even without realising it, even, and there are some that, that approach it, you know, differently, and they love it, and they get a real buzz, and then there are others that it maybe is a bit more complicated. And But this tour has been great, and it's, it has definitely still been easier than the first record, just because we've got time, we've made sure I've scheduled time in at home. So hopefully there won't be no showing up for planes and things like that. <laughs> Once the podcast's going, if there's like repeat listeners, they're going to get bored of me asking this question. Okay. So I grew up in bands and I loved Did it. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it, loved okay. it, loved it, loved it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, where where do conversations start? Where do they end? Like if something is doing, this is, is there such a leader? can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, all three of us, I, I think, as individuals in different ways, can be nightmares. So I just feel sorry for all the producers that we've ever worked with. Sometimes I think that we've kind of left this like trail of destruction in our path, <laughs> just like swan into a studio, mess things up, and then then leave again. Um, I'd say sixty percent of the time we disagree in opinion. So it hasn't always been easy, but we've always managed to find a way of staying friends and come out the other side. Mm. But yeah, I think that it is the age-old story of being in bands. You know, they, there's, there's tensions, there could be rivalry, and it's about how you navigate those things. And I think we kind of went through a lot of quite tough experiences when we were much younger. And because we came out the other side of those, that then it, we've learnt now how to find a different process for different songs. And um, different things can happen. Like, the boys will respect... If, if I've come to the table and I've fully written a song from start to finish, they will respect that at some point my vision has to be realised along the process kind of thing. And, and then vice versa, if, if they come to, something, come to the table with something. And it's just about respect. But it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, we, are, we, do, we do argue sometimes. Mm. Um, it's amazing yeah. that you can like, talk about it now and go, yeah. you know, it's hard, but we, we find a way to come out as friends. I guess... And tell me if I'm wrong, but there mm. must be an element of going, okay, right now we're London grammar and we're having a conversation about grammar and we need, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. once we leave this room, we're Dan Dot and Hannah and that's... 
a really good way of handling it, I guess. I, I assume as well in some bands, and I'm hoping I find this out, but I assume in some bands there is just a leader. See, I think in ours there isn't, which is actually no. sometimes our problem. And so for us it's um, the process of it, which moment is who going to be the leader. Mm. And there are different moments where Dan will be a leader on some things and then I'll be a leader in others and Dot will be a leader in others. And that's another thing that has taken its time to kind of, of work out. But, um, but yeah, then I guess there are other bands that, are, that do function in a different way and there is someone that is clearly a leader and like writes everything and mm. makes all the decisions but yeah. everyone's different I guess you just um, mentioned briefly about going into studios mm. and leaving a path of destruction oh, but yeah. <laughs> but I know on this record mm. you worked with both Paul Epworth mm-hmm. and Greg Kirsten yeah. who I met oh, uh, yeah, yeah. a few months ago I thought he was brilliant yeah. um how was it? Like, how do you... You've just said that the three of you can be quite opinionated and yeah. have your visions. How yeah. is it then inviting a fourth honorary member? For me, I do find that tricky sometimes mm. because sometimes, if, if I have written a song, sometimes I, see, I'm maybe quite different from you in this respect, just from what you were saying earlier, but I find it quite painful to hand it over to someone else and be like, hey, what do you think? I'm like, it literally feels like a child to me. Um, and then sometimes I think when somebody else comes into the room and has an opinion, I'm a bit like, who do you think you are? Which is obviously just completely, <laughs> completely irrational and wrong. Um, and then you kind of, as, as long as you get to know people and understand them and then become friends, then it gets easier and easier. Um, but working with both of them, they, they were just both so experienced that none of those things were really an issue, I felt. Um, and they were both very open um, which is kind of a rare quality sometimes in a producer. I don't think all producers are open. I think that some of them have made their careers for being quite opinionated, like, this is how it's going to be and, and this is my also, work. also, I think, exactly, and I think some producers, like, if you come to me, you're getting this sound. Exactly, Like, say yeah. I become a, this isn't going to happen, but if you come to George Ezra, you're going to get the George Ezra sound. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's fair, that's what they do. I've only ever worked with people that are very open and very... Yeah. I um, mean, so Greg and Paul were not like that in the slightest. And Paul was amazing. As in they weren't open or they were open? They were open. Yes. They were com- completely open. And Paul was amazing because you can kind of... You could give him a, ref- a reference and his musical knowledge was just ridiculous. Oh, he just but He's knew. worked with... Yeah. Like, Baby Shambles, which is amazing, Primal Scream... I think. To Florence and Adele. Florence. Adele was like the big, you know, it's a big name for both of them. Yeah. And then Greg, as an American, you know, he's born and bred LA, I think. Yeah. And then still he, you know, you guys, Lily Allen. Yeah. Adele, he obviously They have the ability to work with anyone from any walk of life. I do think that Greg, and I don't know if he would say this as well, he seems like an Anglophile. Like, I think he likes... British, British music. <laughs> I think he gets it, which is... Um, yeah, I love that, yeah. Yeah, he had these two amazing dogs as well. I asked not to see the dogs. I'm not great with dogs. Oh, you missed out. I saw them in the like back... Was it at his place? Yeah. I kind of saw them, and I was like, OK, I'm going to go down here. You don't like dogs then? You're not I just fan? never grew up with them. And there are dogs that I love in the world, 
but they belong to people who I see fairly regularly. In fact, there's not dogs I love in the world. Like, I, I, I like some dogs. Peter St. Fast. I mean, his dogs were amazing. Like, they actually <laughs> hung out with us a bit. They were these two really neurotic... Um, not greyhounds, but like miniature greyhounds. What are they called? Whippets. Whippets. Yeah, I actually think they are seriously responsible for some of the kind of layback sounds that we like made for with him. A little bit of dog chat. I hate admitting that I'm not a massive dog fan because I think people are gonna hate me for it. I'm not anti-dog at all. I'm not anti-pet, I just never had one. And now I kind of don't have the time or the patience, one of the two, or a mixture of the two. I don't know, don't hate me. Um, yes, and while you're here, I should just say um, thank you so much to all of you that have pre-ordered the album, Staying at Tomorrow's already, that is amazing. For those of you that haven't, don't forget, it's it's literally a few, it's over on georgeezra.com and um, you can get it in so many different varieties. Oh, the options, you've got picture discs, you've got pink vinyl, uh, signed vinyl, signed CDs, you can even get a cassette and uh, any form format that you, you buy it on, you get a download code. So yeah, that's georgeezra.com. Go and pre-order the album, Stay In It Tomorrow's. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm really happy with it. And I think you're going to enjoy it too. Um, but without further ado, ta-da! Let's jump back into it. Hannah Reed. Do you look back on the first record fondly now? Do you listen to if you hear it? Do you, are you happy with it? Are yeah, you proud of I'm it? so happy with it. You know, it will just always hold such a special Good. place. I think in in my heart, that album. I think forever. And the second one was a little bit more like, oh, we had to lose our way to find our way again. And That's a really be, good way of looking at it. Yeah, and then I think you know, have to see what a third one. Well, I guess the beauty of like deliberately touring for a shorter amount of time means you can move on to new music much sooner. Yeah. Did you how how are you with writing on tour? Um, funnily enough, actually, because I think we have had some time at home in between tours. Now, our, our managers are amazing; they're very understanding about that and have made they've like looked after us really well. Um, it's actually I have found I've been quite creative, so I have written new songs. But definitely on the first one, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really write a song for two years. And um, if you're not someone that takes like a fish, you know, to water with performing and things like that, I think that that can be kind of tricky to then go back to being creative again after. I don't think it's just the performing though. I think there's a lot that came, because I found it hard to write on tour on the mm-hmm. first record. I hope that I can this time. Mm-hmm. I really am hoping that I can. But I think it's just kind of something that you can only learn firsthand. And it's, yeah, it's, absolutely, yeah. It's hard to get your head round, I think. Mm. Or get used to it and comfortable with it. Yeah, and, and I think Ed Sheeran said something quite interesting once where he was like, you know, writing songs is a bit like, it's a bit like a rusty old tap. Like, you have to kind of turn it on, let some of the shit come out, you know, that nobody's going to want to hear, like a few corkers in there. And then eventually the clear water will start running and they, they get better and better. And the I'm so happy open. he said that. I have always said... So I write with a guy called Joel Pot a lot. We always call it clearing the pipe. 
so there'll be one or oh, two songs okay. that I just you I never want anyone to hear them <laughs> and it's just you're just you should writing. just play one of them at the end of this podcast just <laughs> yeah. see what happens I think people will be like what um, yeah. it, they're just little ditties or little you know songs even while you're writing them you're like I know I'm never going to sing this live yeah. but often the best song comes after that you know oh do you think that's interesting yeah I tend to find if I'll write like five songs and then one song out of five will be a winner yeah or like worth showing Dan and Dot yeah but then I don't know whether sometimes maybe there's maybe there are others that I leave to the wayside and shouldn't but um. it'd be amazing like one day if you can get comfortable with the idea of giving Dan and Dot your kind of b-sides that they wouldn't have heard oh, I mean they they've definitely like... had some b-sides that they've not probably not enjoyed <laughs> they might be like Hannah what are you doing this is this is gold. Yeah, I heard a story once about. Um, I think Chris Martin said in, said in an interview that Paradise, which is just like one of my favourite Coldplay songs, that he had been writing it for the X Factor for an X Factor single, and then Will, the drummer, came and listened and was like, "No, no, 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 we're going to take this one, Chris. All right, you can just write, <laughs> you know." And it is interesting how that happens, and sometimes you do. I think that that's what's important. It's important to have those partnerships. In a way, it's kind of like you're in a band, I guess, in a way, if you've got these writing partnerships with Joel and um, you work with Cam all the time. But you need those people to be like, no, 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 this is a good one. You know, I do write by myself, and it's something... I always kind of think part of what I love about working with Joel as much as I do when it comes to writing Mm. is that you have someone instantly... If you're writing by yourself, you go, oh my God, this is the best fucking thing I've ever written. Then you sing it again five minutes later and you go, what was I thinking? Yeah, 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 Whereas yeah. if there's someone there, you've got real time, I trust his opinion yeah. completely, and he goes, George, man, what are you thinking? That's awful. Or mm-hmm. he'll go, I feel it, I believe you, and, you know, it's... it's uh, I follow you on Twitter. You kind of seem to be interested and involved with pop music, you know, like oh, even yeah. yesterday, I think it was, you tweeted about Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah. She is my all, one of my all-times. Yeah, man. And you just... I've Recently, I've definitely seen Sam Smith on there, on mm-hmm. your feed, and Royal Blood. Mm. And you've just mentioned Ed Sheeran and Coldplay. Is that something that's important to you? Pop music, you know, is, is music something that's still very much part of your life, even though you're so heavily involved in it? It is, and in, in a kind of in a strange way, like I get really obsessed with like one song or one artist, and then once I'm obsessed, I will be obsessed forever. How long? Like how long's the, I know you say forever, but will there be like a six month window where you don't listen to anything else? That, uh, I think that there, there, are, there are certain songs that I will forever go, go back and back to, and I will never, I never get tired of them. Um, so I would say I don't necessarily have, for example, Dan in the band has like this incredible historical knowledge of just basically all bands that have ever released anything. And sometimes we'd be in the car together and I'd be like, what the fuck is this shit that you're listening to? And it would be some obscure thing that I just don't get at all. Is he the kind of guy as well that like knows what pedals they're using, what preamps they use? Like, does oh he- yeah, and he's watched every documentary and read every book. He's amazing. Which I find Paul was a bit like that. Really? Yeah, a little, a little, I think so. I mean, maybe he would say differently, but he just had this, as well as being really um, musically talented, but to have that kind of back knowledge of musical history, it's kind of interesting, but I'm slightly different. It's like I will connect 
I think emotionally with one person for some reason or one song and then I will be obsessed with it forever. Do you find when you're in the middle of recording in particular mm. you can't listen to other people's music? Um, a little bit sometimes. If, if you're like really in the bubble it's almost like you need to block out the outside influence till you've got your own bubble correct and in order. Is I that like that idea, saying? like a good image of everyone in their own little bubble. Yeah. So like, get away from my bubble. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd, yeah, I can only listen to music that I completely know and love when I'm in the studio. Like music that I'm not going to, you know, that I've been listening to since I was 13, 14. Right, yeah, I think I'm quite similar. So there's, because the last year or so I've been recording, I've kind of got this void of what's been going on a little bit. Yeah. And I regret it. I'm looking forward to going back and being like, oh, that's brilliant. But sometimes music goes through strange phases as well, in a way. Like, yeah. sometimes you'll suddenly get a surge of loads of new artists that almost come from a similar scene, and then things go a little quiet, and then... It um, felt like that. You know when you leave school? I don't know if your school did this. You get a hoodie that says, like, yeah, the whatever yeah. year. You'd... I kind of see that in when I was first ever releasing music. I see you guys. I remember you guys, Royal Blood, Sam Smith... Um, there was someone else as well that I just remember the Disclosure. name. Disclosure. Yeah. Slaves, I remember. Just the names yeah. popping up all the time, all the time, the same. Yeah, it was like your festival tour buddies that at yeah. first you'd like walk past be like, are we going to be friends? And then like you get talking and you become friends. How are you with that? <laughs> I'm useless backstage. I just yeah, assume. Not, really. Because it's so... I know that we all know each other because you're in the same industry. Yeah. But... And I know that artists are innately quite shy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and I think shyness often comes across as not having Being the time of day for other people. Yeah, so you walk yeah, into like true. a festival canteen to get lunch or whatever, and you're like, uh, "Did they just give me the stink eye? I've not even said hello to them." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, and also you're very aware of I'm going to give them. They've just they've probably just come from a different town. They just want to get some lunch, and I don't want to yeah. be that guy that's hey, hey yeah, how's your festival yeah, yeah. experience? Like a rep for the festival. Yeah. I, I actually I do know what you, what you mean. I also think sometimes I mean for me I struggle a little bit just because I'm always the one to go home. So I'll like do a gig and then it's like no socialising for me. I'm like can't talk now for twelve hours. So it does come across like you're the kind of uptight one in a way, and you kind of just I just disappear into thin air. And um, but then I don't know over the years like we definitely have some wonderful friends, but I guess. In a way, I, I know what you mean because that backstage experience is quite fleeting, and then everyone goes off and goes and does their own thing. And is, um, but I kind of that's another reason why this podcast is nice because it will bring artists together. Artists. And I think we need a bit more of that. Is, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm doing because I still yeah. don't know exactly. I still haven't worked out what I'm going to call the podcast. I still haven't. George Ezra and Friends. Well, right. So I'm putting on. I can say. I'm, so I'm not going to release any of these until the new year. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing a gig in December with Mind, the charity. Ah, uh, maybe. Um, and it's called George Ezra and Friends. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm hoping if it's a success... That is intuition. That is, like, yeah, connected on knew. the level there. You, you knew. Yeah. I'd, like, if it's a success, I hope I can do it Yeah. each year. That would be lovely if it can be... So is that because of the experience that you went through that you're uh, doing it? or just? No, I've, they've always kind of... I know everyone approaches charity differently... Mm. Um, I've kind of always thought the best way to do it is to pick a charity or two and really support that charity like I've got some friends that give little to lots 
or you know focus yeah. their energy whereas I like to and they've always been the charity that are yeah back. that's amazing um, yeah. you were just saying about festivals you're the person that disappears and can't you know you need to rest your voice for 12 hours yeah um, is this true this is a road rumour I've heard oh right you might still do it you might never have done it you might have just well, done I'm it on the first album be. no it's Come amazing <laughs> so I heard that on the first record yeah mid-set you would go off stage and kind of warm up again vocally and the lads would kind of jam or do a more yeah. instrumental piece and then you'd come back out and sing again yeah is do you still do that did you ever um i don't do it anymore and that that is true i did do that that That's was amazing it kind of was because it did make a huge difference and you wouldn't think that it would but just giving my voice just those few minutes of rest but that was also because of stage fright because then I could look at the set list and be like, okay, well, I'm going off there, so I've only got another two songs to get through. And then I'd go off and I'd be like, oh, well, now I've only got six left. So it kind of broke up the, the anxiety a bit for me. Um, but then since I've gotten better, I don't have to do that anymore. I'd like, so I heard it. it and I was like, I want a mid-set <laughs> I want time. a costume change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever do that? Did you ever have a costume change? Oh, no, I'm... I'm um, very unglamorous on stage. For me, the more unglamorous, the better. And are you... Sorry if this is ignorant. Are you classically trained to sing? Um, no. So I always, like, sung, basically. And I... I did, like, musical theatre camp a couple of times. (laughs) Um, but... Which was interesting. Um, and then apart from that, not really. But then when I... When I met Dan and, and Dot... Obviously, it was just, like, completely casual, you know. And then when we got signed, I was like, oh, I better go and, you know, So you find normally out had lessons is. before that? How old were you when you guys met? Uh, we were... I was 18 when I first met Dan, so it was my first time at university. And then 19, when we met Dot. Dot was the year below us, so he was a fresher. Do you have... This is a genuine question. Do you have mm-hmm. any vocal tips? Like, is there anything you do when you're on tour to help protect your voice yeah um so i turned out one thing i was doing on the first album campaign was doing all kinds of things that i thought were good but are actually really really bad and it was only when our manager rose moon sat down with me at dinner and was like you can't eat that you can't eat that you can't have that in your drink oh no are you doing the like no cheese no dairy oh the worst is tomatoes apparently I know. I, know. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I know. Apparently, they make your vocal cords swell up. Tomatoes are apparently the worst. Lemon and ginger—that is a myth. You're not supposed to have lemon and ginger. It's bad for your vocal cords. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't everyone needs a anymore. rose moon in their life if they're a singer. To, to tell well, this them. is it. So everyone you meet has their wives' tales that they go by. Right. It's like I do Fair this enough. and yeah. The, yeah. the one I do now. Don't yeah. tell me this is wrong, but I drink throat coat. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. You're all good with that. Okay, yeah, I, I think a so. lot of that. I can check with Rose if you want. Yeah, <laughs> get on the phone. <laughs> so, tomatoes, honey and lemon. So it's more stuff you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, there's just lots of shouldn'ts. And sadly. how long do you warm up for? Um, about 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. I tend to find, actually, if I overdo it, then I have a really bad gig. And do you warm up before a sound check? No, which I probably should should do but I actually don't always sound check I kind of tend to sound check sort of the first half of a tour and then maybe do a very brief sound check and then 
I just I just literally have to do everything I can to just save my voice. Otherwise do you ever use a Dr. Nelson's inhaler over there by the sink? I don't see it. You know, on the other side of the sink. Are you, do you recognise that? No. You get it? Oh, the... Oh, look, I've got a baby one here. Oh, it looks like a flower pot. I've got a baby... Yeah, they're like... Have you never seen one? No. Oh, my God. What is the, so this So that's like the thing? big one that I tour with. They're like... I don't know when they're from. Dr. Nelson's improved inhaler. Directions for use. Remove mouthpiece. Half fill inhaler with boiling water. Replace mouthpiece and apply lips to it. Breathe freely in and out. As and it's like ordinary. an antique. Yeah, you get them from John Bell and Croydon, which is uh, um, pharmacist, like, behind Radio 1, behind the BBC building. Oh, my goodness me. Go and get one. They're like... I'll go and get one. I've got one that's, like, a proper mask. It, like, yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. an oxygen mask. It, like, looks like a very serious business if someone comes in and I'm, like, steaming my voice. That, whereas that's much more friendly looking. And so, moving on, yeah. London grammar, you're going to be a thing, like, for some time. How do you think? I, I don't know. I hope so. Okay. I hope so. Good. Um, I think maybe next year we'll take a little break. Um, and yeah, I, I, it, would be, it would be lovely to be old and wrinkly, me, Dan and Dal, and just... I actually hope for this, that one day we just release, like... Just maybe release so many albums that... You know, we'll just have, like, a thousand really hardcore fans that have followed us to the end and we just make a really wacky, out-there album. I hope maybe one day we get to that point. And do you think <laughs> that's the dream for everyone, I think? Yeah. They're just... Just um, so old and so past it that just you just don't care and you can do what you want. And do you, do you feel like you will always need to be writing in some capacity, whether that's with grammar or just in little notebooks for yourself or, you know, it's something you won't ever shake? I think it is, yeah. I think being sort of artistic in some way or another is something I hope that that's always my, my life and if, I, if it is then I'm the luckiest person in the world Oh man a huge thank you to you Hannah if you are listening um, I appreciated it so much. I love the chat. Thank you very much. And of course, thank you to you guys for meeting me here at the podcast again. I am um, genuinely, I've been completely blown away by the response. I didn't know what to expect. I've never done a podcast before. Fancy that. So yeah, it's just amazing to know so many of you are enjoying it. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can get a load more under my belt and we can keep this rolling over. Uh, as always a huge thank you to Warren Borg for editing this podcast together thank you very much sir Uh, Oshin Griffin for the podcast visuals love it Josh Sanger and the Closer Artist team for all of your hard work thank you very much and yeah that's it guys I'm going to leave you to it Um, I hope you have a lovely day wherever you are I hope I see you soon keep on smiling don't go changing bye your distractions off and discover your new favorite podcast 
This is Bose Recommends. Hi guys, I'm Nat Coombs from the NFL show with Nat Coombs. Yep, that was a title that took us hours to come up with. We're thrilled to be involved with Bose Recommends because frankly, we are having a great time making this show. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday and the clue is very much in the title. We're all about the NFL. I'm joined each episode by terrific guests from both sides of the pond, players past and present, journalists, comedians, writers, you name it. They love NFL, they're in. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Acast, iTunes, all your favorite podcatchers. It'll be good to have you with us. Enjoy your new favorite podcast without distractions. Discover how at Bose.co.uk. Bose. Focus. On.